This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we welcome to the show the MVP of the shortened NLL season, Shane Jackson. Plus, the MLL is coming back for its 20th season. The PLL has announced their rosters, and I have a fancy new shirt. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? Happy July. Why isn't there lacrosse right now? It's coming. It is coming. Happy belated Canada Day to all of us up here north of the 49th. And happy early Independence Day to all of those in the U.S. of A. Both above and below the 49th parallel. My name is Teddy Jenner. Welcome to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or check out the show's IG page, OTCB Podcast. The National Lacrosse League has announced their awards. We will break them all down. There were some surprises, there were some question marks, and we'll kind of hash some things out, as it were. We'll talk with the MVP, Shane Jackson, and he might have been the most surprised of anybody to get the nominee or the nod to be MVP, but we'll talk to Jacko in a little bit. Crazy doing some research for this interview to find out that, you know, drafted fourth overall by the Swarm, he has played every single game since being drafted into the National Lacrosse League. Averaging easily plus 50 points a year. Mr. Consistency has been fantastic, and that was one of the main reasons he was not only nominated for the MVP award, but was a very deserving candidate. So we'll talk to Jacko in a little bit. Uh, Right off the hopper, shout out to U.S. Boxla, Paul Tutka, and the people over at Streaker Sports. I am currently rocking... My super fancy retro New York Saints tee. Uh, got that by entering a little U.S. Box Law Twitter draw. Arrived at the doorstep today and proudly wore to yoga. And most people had no idea who the New York Saints were. But I do and I am proud to rock their history and the St. Bernard on my chest. I, among others, think it's one of the best logos the NLL has ever had. And I truly wish... When New York came back, they were going to be the Rip, or they were going to be the Saints. But um, having talked to some people from the area and some of the former players that were on like the original Saints team, they wanted a fresh start. They didn't want to bring back old memories. They didn't want to revert to the past. There is still a lot of history for the Saints on Long Island and in New York and Nassau Coliseum. But a fresh start with the Riptide was what they needed and what they wanted. But I am proud, proud to rock this retro tee. Um, if you want more retro tees, they've got the Turbos. Uh, who else they got? Washington Wave, maybe. Charlotte Cobras. There's some good stuff out there. So uh, maybe even Pittsburgh Crossfire. can't remember all the shirts there. But uh, if you want some retro lax wear, check out Streaker Sports. Uh, they got you covered. But also if you want some... New-aged lacrosse wear, 
head over to the lacrosseflash.com website and uh, join the fan club and get yourself some swag. Um, also, while you're there, check out Austin Owen's article on the Canadian's Guide to the PLL as the Premier Lacrosse League is just a few weeks away from the championship series on PLL Island. Zion's Bank Stadium in Utah and the PLL on Thursday officially announced all of the rosters. But if you want a Canadian slant to it and maybe as a Canadian try to figure out which team to cheer for, head over to the Lacrosse Flash website. Check out Austin Owen's article as he breaks it down based on Canadians on a 1-5 to maple syrup scale. Audie does a fantastic job of breaking the rosters down with the Canadian slant and giving you a 1-5 to maple syrup scale. So head over to the website and check it out. It's getting some rave reviews from uh, a lot of the PLL pundits and, and writers like Joe Keegan and the like. So we know when they're talking about how good a job Austin did, then it's a good read. So lacrosseflash.com, check out his article. You can also... Check out the latest episodes of this podcast and the Lacrosse Classified podcast. You can catch up on old episodes of Stripped. And really, should be your number one go-to place for anything that you need, especially the swag. Because if you're not a big team guy or girl yet, you need to get on the site and get yourself that shirt. PLL Island is a few weeks away. Also, the major lacrosse league, MLL, uh, announced that they too will be making a return to action for their 20th lacrosse season. And that's good news for lacrosse fans all over because truly, in this day and age, in this pandemic time, not having any lacrosse at all would have been the worst. But at least we're going to get some field lacrosse as the MLL will have their opening day on July 18th. They're going to be hosting it down in Annapolis, Maryland. And they will have a two-week, two-and-a-half-week little play-in season slash tournament. And so we're going to get a heavy dose of lacrosse. Now, for us Canadians, we got to get kind of creative to... Find ways to watch these games. And people say you need a VPN, which will help, you know, confuse the intrawebs of actually where you are. Because it's not easy for us to stream games up here when they're on ESPN. Um, Obviously, the PLL games are on NBC Sports. Uh, I think you can subscribe to that. If I remember correctly, there was an article or a post a while back that said... NBC Gold would be available to Canadian subscribers. So that is huge. So at least we'll be able to watch something. PLL, MLL, lacrosse is back in the next couple of weeks. As I said, MLL will start on the 18th and crown a champion on the weekend of the 25th and 26th. And then pretty much right after that is when the PLL Championship Series will start in Utah, where they will play, I think, two and a half, three weeks as well, and they will crown a PLL champion. So July is going to get hectic once we get to the later weeks. We'll actually be able to watch them across, and it seems like forever since we've seen the cross. And 
as I was talking with Shane Jackson, well, again, we'll hear that interview momentarily. But this is a conversation I have with every lacrosse player I come across, and I'm sure you're the same way. For those of us that have had lacrosse as our sole life for the better part of our lives, this is the first summer we've probably had off in years, decades. This is the first July I haven't been playing lacrosse since I was maybe like six. It's a weird feeling to not be traveling to Bear Mountain Arena four times a week for junior practice and games and calling senior Shamrock games. It's crazy not to be watching WLA and MSL games online throughout the week. And I don't know if it's kind of finally sitting in, setting in because we're in July and we're slowly getting to the midpoint of summer and the back half of this all. And maybe it's just because I'm getting delusional because it's been three months without lacrosse. But it's crazy to think that I have all this time now and we have all of this time to do things. I can plan a boys golfing trip to Whistler for my birthday. I've never been able to do that. Gonna do it. You can just take weekends off and go camping with the family. Well, can't I guess you can't really go camping now, but there are some places you can go camp. You can, what I'm saying is you can do things that we've never been able to do as lacrosse players during the summer because we've had to be away four or five nights a week, gone on weekends, not able to go out because we got games the next day. Body's too sore. And now everybody is fresh. The bodies are mending. And I think when we get back to true full-on lacrosse with the National Lacrosse League, whenever that may be, there are going to be some guys who have had the longest rest period of their careers coming into a new season. Imagine how fresh some of these guys are going to be. Shane Jackson makes the point in our interview that all the lacrosse he played last year with uh, NLL, MLL, World Championships, Canadian Summer League, and then right into the NLL again – he barely had any time off. And so maybe, A, the body's a bit run down, but you're still in that groove. And you're still working on the same intense work ethic level. Now guys are going to be able to take a lot of time off, let their bodies rest, heal those nagging injuries, and then ramp up in October, November to get themselves ready for camp. I. I really think that while this sucks that we're not having lacrosse, I think it could allow us to have an even better and more competitive season next year, whenever that happens. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, an absolutely awesome time whenever lacrosse comes back. But for now, we can sit back and interview the greats of our game, those who are having a major impact on our sport, and those who are making waves like Shane Jackson, drafted fourth overall by the Minnesota Swarm back in 2012. He has played eight seasons, was a 2017 All-Pro, uh, 2013 All-Rookie team. He has never scored less than 18 goals in his career. He's never scored. He's only scored less than 30, no, less than 25 twice in his career. He is consistent. His lowest point total was 51, and that was his second season 
with the Swarm. Since that, he hasn't averaged, hasn't had less than 73, and that was this year when he only played 12 games. He's an incredible teammate. He's an incredible person. And he is very deserving of this award. Now, there are some people who will say that, man, you know what? Maybe he wasn't the most valuable player on his team. On a team that had Randy Stotts. On a team that had Lyle Thompson. But when you look at that Georgia squad, and you look at how consistent Shane Jackson was, had the most goals on the team, second most assists on the team, and the most points. If Randy had an off night, Shane stepped up. If Lyle had an off night, Shane stepped up. Seven straight games, he had a hat trick. Only three games out of the 12 he played did he have less than three. Two of them were a two-goal game, and one of them, a win against New York, was the only time all season he didn't score, and yet he still had six assists. There aren't too many players more consistent than Shane Jackson. He's gritty, he's grindy, and he has one heck of a one-touch on the backside crease. More importantly, he is your 2019-2020 MVP, and he's right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined now by Shane Jackson of the Georgia Swarm and your 2019-2020 MVP. How's that sound? Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's a great honor. It's, uh, you know, I was looking at the names of some of the past winners and then just to be, uh, you know, be a part of that group is uh, really special. I've looked up to a lot of those guys in that list and to uh, have the respect of the, you know, GMs, owners, and coaches throughout the league is uh, a really cool feeling. What was more surprising, the nomination or the actual win? Uh, both, to be honest. Um, I, uh, John Arlotta and Eddie Como, they called me and I missed a call and they said, hey, give us a call back. It's pretty important. I kind of got nervous. I thought I was getting <laughs> traded. So. I was like, oh, no, where am I going? But they told me, and I, I, I really couldn't believe it. I, it was uh, yeah, it was a really cool feeling. It would have been especially strange if you were being traded because you've only been with that organization since they drafted you. How special is it to win um, with this warm organization? You've been them with, with them since Minnesota. You're now with them with Georgia. How important is it to win with this organization? Yeah, I, I've, I've absolutely loved every minute. Uh, that I've been on this team, we've had unbelievable teammates, and you know, I just, I just think about all my teammates this past year. I'm just, I'm very lucky to play with some of the guys that are on our team, like Randy Stats. I think he's a, you know, he's a very special player, and I think he, he could be win the MVP any, any time now, and um, you know, to have him, and then obviously Lyle, uh, you know, he's, he's a, one of the best. He's the 
if not the best player in, in, in the world right now. And uh, to have him and then on our le- on the left side with Halsey and Zach Miller and, uh, you know, Colsey when he plays up, it's just, um, you know, it's just very cool to have all the teammates and, you know, me, McIntosh, Creppy, we've been here for eight, nine years. So to, you know, be with the same group for this many years is uh, very, very special. Have you gotten sick and tired of the Macintosh crep and suck bromance yet? I don't think they've ever not been teammates. It's pretty right? insane. They they grew up playing together. They went to college together. It's it's uh, it's a little weird for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's uh, quite a chemistry out that front door. But you, you talked about Halsey. You talked about Colsey. Guys that have been in and out and up and down the lineup. You've had Jesse King. You've had Holden Katoni. You've had quite a mixed mash of lefties on that side. What's made you such a great teammate for those guys to help make them successful? Um, I, I don't think it's it's me. It's I think it's it's all it's all them. They're just unbelievably unbelievable guys, and uh, they're just so easy to play with. All those guys I've played with, every guy I've played with, it's been a blast playing with. I've played with, I don't know how many different guys throughout the years, but. It, does, it seems to just not matter because they're all just really special people, and then that, that's what makes it easy to play with them. It's, it's uh, you know, every we, we, we work together. It's not, you know, you or me. It's we, let's, let's do this together, and that's what, uh, that's what I really love about every, everyone I've played with. How much credit do we have to give Dan Latasseur for everything that offense does, or do we just forget about him and, and not let his ego get too much bigger? Yeah, we can't let his ego get too much bigger. Right? Um, yeah. No, I'm just he's 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 <laughs> awesome. He 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 lets he lets us play. Uh, he does he he. It's not it's not his way the highway. It's it's you know we all work together. He, he gives he just lets us know what he's seeing because he he sees it from a different perspective, right? He plays defense, so he he sees it from that defensive side. So. He's always he's giving us tips, and he, he really just lets us play. He, he kind of draws up a play, but he's like, listen, this isn't the end, the be-all, end-all. You know, this is a play. If nothing's there, you guys just play. And, um, you know, the quality of players that we have on our offense, it's uh, it's very easy because we all kind of know where we're going to be, and it's, it's very fun. You had seven straight hat-tricks to start the season. Was that just a consistency thing? Were you really feeling it, or was everything just kind of going right for you to start the season? Um, I, th- I think it's from last year playing, you know, the NLL and then the MLL and then the summer box and then the world championships. I really only had a month off, so I think it really benefited me just constantly playing and, uh, you know, having a month off and going right into training camp and, um, I've had in other years you have kind of like a four or five month period where you don't play and you kind of like it takes a little bit longer to get into the into the game mode. But last year playing so much, it was uh, just just going into training camp in the season. It was just like I've been playing this the whole time. So I I really think that had a big uh, a big part of it. Uh, you're currently on the road up up to the cabin country. Um, like many of us in lacrosse, well, this is your first summer with the lacrosse probably in a couple of decades. How bored are you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty boring. Um, it's it really itching to get back to play and see all the guys. 
that's what I, I you know, that's what I miss the most, just seeing all the guys every weekend mm-hmm. and, um, you know, going to battle with them. But it's nice that we got the uh, MLL uh, season, I guess you can call it, coming up. So uh, I'm trying to just shift my focus to that and be as prepared as I can for that uh, season. What's changed with this Swarm organization since your first days in Minnesota? Because you were drafted uh, fourth overall. The Swarm actually had three straight picks that year. They got Matisse, Brock Sorensen, and yourself, all two, three, and four. Um, but you've been a steady component of this organization with John Arlotta, with Jordan McIntosh, with Prep. Even, you know, Mike Poulin's been there for a while. Now, what's changed within that organization um, over the last eight years? Faces, um, but I really think John uh, does a great job of getting high character people, and um, you know it, it doesn't. He's done a very good job of bringing in new people that are very easy to work with, and our team team first guys. So, um, you know, in sports, you're always going to see change every single year, and as long as you have guys that come in with the team first mentality, it, it, it doesn't really matter who comes in. It's just it's, it's, it's very easy if you have that mentality and we all work together. So I think uh, a lot of faces have changed, but um, the, the quality of people that have come in and out are have, have remained high. When you guys left Minnesota, the fans were really – had become a true part of that organization. The move to, to Georgia kind of took all that momentum away. But now the fans – down in the ATL, are starting to figure out the lacrosse game and the indoor game, starting to show support for the Georgia Swarm. How important is that for you as players to finally start to see some fruition of all the fruits of your labor? Yeah, I mean, obviously leaving Minnesota, I mean, I played there three years, and it was unbelievable. We were averaging nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans a game and an unbelievable arena at the XL Center there, and um, I love the cities. Um it was a little cold, but I didn't really mind that. It was, un- it, it was, it was, we all, we all lived down there. It was like 10 of us our first year. We had a blast and, um, coming to Georgia, the first, the first couple of years were, um, you know, the fans weren't really there as much, but I think this past year we really picked it up as far as, uh, attendance wise. And, um, you know, I, I've really noticed a lot of the same people that come. So we really truly do have, fans that actually care about the team and really follow the team and support the team. And it's just great to see because, you know, the city of Atlanta and Gwinnett is it's an unbelievable place and we all love playing down there. Are you still living and teaching and coaching down there during the season? Uh, yeah. Uh, I just came back uh, to Canada during this whole COVID thing. and uh, But, yeah, I, li- I coach at uh, Pace Academy and uh, work for LB3. Uh, which is a my, like a field program down there, and uh, doing camps and clinics. So uh, stay busy down there during the season, and uh, yeah, it's great. I love it down there. How, how much is lacrosse growing down there? It, it, it's insane how many kids are playing down there. I know the LB3 program; they have, I want to say, like close to a, a thousand kids in their program. So it is absolutely massive. The high school. The talent down there is, is really growing, and it's it's great to see because it's it's only going to help the game. And 
uh, help promote the game and grow the game. And uh, a lot of the kids down there are getting big-time scholarships at big-time schools, and it's just awesome to see them their hard work paying off. We see the success of U.S. Boxla and their college programs that they've done. Is there anything like that down there? Are kids starting to play some indoor lacrosse? Yeah, we try to do as much box stuff as we can. It's it's just hard, though, because there's not many rinks down there, right? So it's just tough to tough to get into a rink and actually teach true, authentic box like we grew up playing. But, um, you know, I think that whenever the kids do play box, they always say, like, wow, this is – I love this. They they almost, like, like box better almost. And, um, you know, I just, I just like be, uh, being down there and – trying to grow the game as much as I can. Bowmanville or Scarborough, which do you call your hometown? Uh, Bowmanville, Ontario. I was born in Scarborough, and then I uh, moved to Bowmanville when I was uh, around four years old. And um, once uh, Bowmanville got a – it's also like – Clarington uh, is a minor association, but it's, the town is Bowmanville. Um, but, yeah, once Clarington got a, a – like a rep team, that's when I started playing lacrosse. And, um, yeah, it's a small little town, but but I I love it. And I've, I've been there my whole life. And, yeah, I, it's, just a, I, it's just a great place. Bowenville, just uh, just east of Oshawa. Um, that's a pretty big hotbed with Whitby and all that. You played your minor. Uh, you played, you know, on Minto with the Whitby Awards. How special was that group of kids? Because th- those are a lot of guys that are current NLL stars right now. Yeah, looking back at it, we uh, there's probably like 12, 13 of us that played and and still play uh, in the NLL. And what was really special about that team is, you know, a lot of the times you see teams making trades and at the, at the deadline they come over, but we didn't we didn't make any trades. It was all local guys that uh, that we wanted with, and that that's what really made it special. Um, you know, I played with a lot of those guys in Junior B for the Clarendon Green Gales, and we all made our way up to Whitby Junior A. And, uh, you know, to win the Minto is very, very hard. You only have a handful of years to do it. So to do it with guys that you, you grew up playing with um, made it that much more special. How about that founder? That, that must have been a fun time because that's even more probably a group of guys that you grew up with. Yeah, I, I've tried to uh, erase that from my memory. Cause I think we're the, only, we're the only Ontario team to ever lose. So yeah, it, was, it was tough, but yeah, we had a special group that year. And um, you know, I, I always I grew up watching the Clarendon Greenales, and um, you know, it took me a while to actually fully make the team. I was I had to play intermediate, and then I was a intermediate call up again, and then I finally made it my third year. So to actually know throw all that jersey on after watching them growing up was uh, a very special moment and that you know to go to the founders is a pretty big achievement but um at the end of the day we didn't win um you know it still stings let's not talk about that anymore then okay perfect (laughs) um you decided to go the juco route uh before you, you made it to limestone you went to onondaga community college um what was the reason uh that you chose that path uh, but it was the only school that would take me in. I didn't know, I didn't have a one single school, um, you know, contact me to go play. And, you know, Cody Jameson 
Sid Smith, they all went there, Craig Point, and, you know, they they dominated out there. And, um, you know, to go to a program that Chuck Wilbur's done a great job building that program. And, um, yeah, I went on a visit. I loved the area. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't guarantee me any playing time or anything like that. I think there's like 120 kids that try out each year, so you really gotta, wow. you really, you really gotta earn your way each year, and um, you know it, it just pushes you to every day of practice. You gotta, you know, you gotta work hard and, and produce if you want to play. And I, I loved that. And then to go to Limestone was kind of the same thing. I really didn't have any offers to go anywhere else, and I went down there, and they had a lot of. Uh, BC boys like in Riley Lowe and Tor Reinholdt who had all won a Minto with the Coquitlam Adenax and I went down there and I visited and it just it felt it just felt right. I loved all those guys and uh, we're still really close today and um, I just that that that's why. I mean I didn't really I really didn't have anywhere else to go to be honest. Gaffney's not the greatest though, is it? It's a very small town, yeah. But <laughs> when you, it, it, not much going on in Gaffney, but um, it just allows you to focus on lacrosse, and you really, you really get that much closer to teammates with, you know, not much to do. You're constantly hanging out, and I mean, it, you know, it is a small town, not much going on. But I still, I still have blast there. I loved it down there. Um, and then you have like uh, Greenville, which is like half an hour away. It's a nice little city. And then you also have Charlotte, which is like 45 minutes away. So um, if you want to get out of town, you you have that option. But um, yeah, I, I loved my time down there. Every everyone, all the people down there were great, and I can't say enough good things about that place. When you get drafted to the National Cross League by the Minnesota Swarm, until now, you haven't missed a game. But more importantly, you have been consistent as anybody I've ever seen, fifty plus every year, and you continue to get better and better. What's been the secret to your success? Um. Well, well, to be honest, it, it's the people I play with. Uh, I'm not a guy that's going to beat anyone one-on-one. I don't think I have once in my career. So to have, you know, guys um, with, at that caliber to play with makes it that much easier. But I really just, um, I just, as far as the consistency, I've always liked the athletes that show up every year. And that's kind of just been my goal. You don't want to, I always want to be there for my team and, um, I really put, I try and really do a, I try to really work hard in the off season with, uh, at, at our gym there. And, uh, I just try to be as prepared as I can and, uh, make sure I'm there for my, my team. Do you find it, um, a priority for yourself to be able to pick your other teammates up if, if they're not having a good game? You know, you mentioned Lyle uh, and Randy, if, if they're not having a good game, you know, they struggle. Do you feel the importance to kind of, take your game to the next level and pick those guys up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just try, you know, not much you really say to them because, you know, I I know the caliber of player they are, and they put a lot on themselves too. So if, if they're not having a, a good night or I'm not having a good night, we really have a lot of pride, and we, we, we want to have a good night. We really try to, you know, help each other out whenever we're, things aren't going right. And, um, yeah, you, you just kind of, Try and be there for him. Work, work hard. Um, you know, get open. Work, do anything, do anything possible to get them open. Get their their hands free to get an open shot so they can get going. But yeah, we kind of it, it, our offense. It's all we're all one. 
and we all just try to help each other out and be there for each other. You mentioned uh, getting ready for the MLL season. How nice is it going to be to, to have a stick in your hand and, and getting some full contact in? Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Like like you said earlier, um, not four or five months here we haven't played. It's probably the longest all of us have gone without playing. And I know uh, we're all chomping at the bit to uh, play. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward just, you know, to be around the guys and, um, you know, get on that field and, uh, battle with everyone. Did you ever think an MVP was something that was going to come your way? Uh, no, I grew in. Um, obviously, you want to go into each season and be, uh, me personally, I want to be one of the top players in the league every year, but you don't, I don't ever go in and be like, yeah, okay, my goal is to win the MVP. My my number one goal is just is to win, to be honest, and um, that's all I really focus on. If, if accolades happen they happen but my my focus all every year is just you know what what can we do you know to reach to reach the top again and um yeah I don't really put any personal accolades in my mind I kind of I just want to work hard be a good teammate and uh you know do anything I can to help the team win when Miles scored that overtime winner in Saskatchewan to clinch your first Champions Cup what was the first thought that went through your head when you saw the ball go in? Uh, I kind of I just blacked out. I, <laughs> threw every, I, I just threw everything in the air. And, um, you know, growing up, going to NLL games, going to the Toronto Rock games, watching them win all those championships, they did. Just, I always wanted to do that myself. And, um, you know, once that ball went in the net, it was kind of like, Oh my God, we just we just did it, and uh, I was kind of looking towards the ref. I just wanted to make sure no one was in the crease, but yeah, that was uh, a very special feeling. And the crowd that Sask had was it, it felt like a Game Seven, like the Stanley Cup Final. The the crowd was singing "Oh Canada." You get like, yeah, I I had goosebumps, um, and just to win it in front of sixteen thousand people, they might not have been cheering for us, but. It was that was a very very special feeling, and for Miles to score that goal, um, you know, you saw the emotion that he had, and I was just so happy that you know he was able to score that goal. But I was happy for everyone that you know we finally did it. It would have been nice if you guys would have gotten the chance again this year, but unfortunately, uh, the season has been halted. We'll have to wait until next year. But you are the MVP, um, voted on as you said by GMs, coaches, owners. Um, but everybody around the league is incredibly happy for you, my friend. Uh, very well-deserved honor, long time coming. Congratulations. Enjoy the cabin life, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Cool? Awesome. Thanks a lot, Teddy. Really appreciate it. That's Shane Jackson, your 2019-2020 National Lacrosse League MVP of the Georgia Swarm, and... Not too many more humble guys like that. When you ask them how special it feels, they instantly credit their teammates and the people around them that helped them get them here. And Shane is a class act guy. You heard him there at the end just talking about how special it was growing up in the GTA, being able to see all those rock team wins and the greatness of all those rock teams and and the likes of Veltman and Doyle and Sanderson and Whipper Watson and 
Blaine Manning, the guys that have gone through there to see how those players hold themselves as professionals and as MVPs. It's great to see Shane get this recognition. Super happy for him. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, and, and I'm really, really pleased that the award did go this way. So I want to thank Shane for his time. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. And I think that Swarm team is, is still going to be a very tough team to play against for a number of years still. That core group of guys isn't going anywhere. And if you think you're going to pry Jordan McIntosh away from the Swarm, you might as well get prepared to bring Alex Kreppensek along with him because, as Shane said, those two guys have played together their entire careers. So they're, they are basically a two-for-one package wherever they go. Speaking of the National Crossing Awards, they were officially announced on Tuesday, and we've gone through our MVP as Shane Jackson edges out Callum Crawford and Rob Hellyer, and there are a lot of people that were surprised by this. Everyone kind of felt that it was Callum's year. They all felt that, you know, despite the shortcomings of that two-game suspension last year, that, you know, he'd kind of made amends, and he had put all that behind him. It sounds like he may have put all that behind him, but others haven't. And apparently that has hurt Callum's reputation um, through some owners, GMs, coaches, and reason being for him not getting this award. And having talked to Callum, having talked to some other executives around the league, Callum wasn't actually surprised that this happened. Um, Some other executives weren't surprised either. They feel for Callum. They wish that others could get over it and not put past discretions in their decision-making for something like this. Like, yes, I understand what Callum did last year with that for that suspension. Like, that was a wrong hit. It doesn't have any place in our game. I get that. We're an entire year removed from that. How do you not reward a guy for the efforts that he did on a New England team that is still lacking, you know, tertiary tertiary scoring. And Callum Crawford put that team on his back for the last couple of years and made them a true contender in the National Lacrosse League. And he's still not getting the credit he deserves. He had 76 points. The next close the next closest two players were Joey Rez with 44 and Andrew Q with 43. Then you get Riley O'Connor and Steph LeBlanc at 35. He was a good 32 points ahead of the next best player on their team. He took only two penalty minutes this year. Two penalty minutes. He could have been up for Sportsman of the Year award. But I digress. You cannot take away from Shane Jackson the efforts that he has had consistently throughout his career. And you cannot take away from him that people voted for him. This isn't on him. It's not his fault. It's it's his fault because he's so damn good. But you cannot put blame on him or throw shade at him or make this any more of an incredible win and nomination and nod than it is. 
He deserves a thousand percent. And this has been an issue in the National Lacrosse League voting scene for years. And I have said this many times on this show when we talk about awards, is that sometimes it becomes a popularity contest. A GM once told me, if I don't know, if there isn't a clear winner in a category, I will pick the guy from my division. And that's not how it should be. You shouldn't pick on popularity or the guy you know better. Awards need to be won on merit and effort and hard work and determination. And guys shouldn't be losing awards because they're not your favorite guy in the league. Or he's not in your division or conference. I'm going to move on from that because it's just not worth arguing because Shane Jackson earned that award. And Callum Crawford will earn his award. And Rob Hellier will earn his award. One day, it will happen. But I still think there needs to be a better system and people need to just vote properly and not based on who's in their division, what side of the country they're from, or who they've seen more play. Uh, The easiest award to pick uh, was the Defender of the Year, and that went to Graham Hossack. We all knew it would. Transition Player of the Year was Challen Rogers as he wins back-to-back, edging out Kyle Matisse and Zach Courier. Uh, Dougie Jameson is your Goaltender of the Year as he beats out Zach Higgins and Dylan Ward. Coach of the Year, Paul Day. This was another one that some kind of questioned uh, when we voted on the lacrosse flash awards. Micah Kersey won that one. Paul Day finished third behind Glenn Clark and a Kersey. But I'm so happy that Paul Day is able to win this award because everyone knows my relationship with Paul. He and I go way back. And I couldn't be happier that he was not only given the head coach of the year award, but also the GM of the year award. And I thought he did a he did a great job as the coach of the Philadelphia Wings. I thought he did an even better job as the general manager of the Philadelphia Wings. Bringing in Ian Lord, uh, Vitarelli, getting another year of production out of Trevor Baptiste, really seeing the progress and growth of a guy like Matt Rambo finding a way to get Zach Higgins out of Buffalo and letting him be the number one that he was entitled and deserved to be. He made a lot of good moves. And he is very well deserving of that GM of the Year award. That's his second GM of the Year award, first head coach of the Year award. Tyson Gibson wins your Rookie of the Year award. Now, here's another one that had a lot of questions, maybe a little confusion. And there is, I don't want to say good reasons for the confusion. However, Connor Fields did play two or three games last season. And while that coming into this year, according to the NL rules, he's still considered a rookie. There are some people in the league that didn't give him that credit because he'd already played two or three games. If you went to 
point streak and looked up NLL stats and clicked on rookie point tab, Connor Fields' name doesn't even show up. And it said that Tyson Gibson led all rookies in scoring goals when that wasn't the case because Connor Fields actually had more. So there are those discrepancies at times that can cause players to miss out on awards. Fields was, I believe, a consensus majority pick in the Lacrosse Flash Awards. And Gibson wins the Rookie of the Year in the NLL Awards. So, you know, yes, Gibson led New York in scoring. Led them in goals. Had a fantastic rookie season. Played a big role on an expansion team. I just thought Connor Fields' body of work was more impressive than Tyson Gibson's. Lyle Thompson wins the Sportsmanship Award. He's pretty much going to win this award every year he plays because he's just that damn nice of a dude. And I jokingly said uh, on Twitter that they're going to name this the LT4 Award someday, and they might as well. Uh, He's won it for three straight years, edging out Kyle Buchanan and Curtis Knight. Your teammate of the year was a... Duo win as Dan Dawson and Mike Poulin share the award and John Rannigan finishes second technically. Executive of the year, John Catalano in Halifax. And what he was and his staff were able to accomplish this year in Halifax, as I said on Twitter, was stuff movies are made of. From... Everything involved from moving the club from Rochester to Halifax, um, the the buildup of marketing with the canoe ride that Kurt Styers took with players and members of the organization and members of neighboring tribal councils, like all of that, all the energy that went into that to build up momentum, build up marketing energy, to creating a buzz in the Halifax area before their first game, to getting all those people out for that inter-squad exhibition game to get a constant growing number of fans from game one to, what, six or seven home games that they played. Halifax is a lacrosse city now. They love it. They are hooked. And John Catalano and his crew did an absolutely incredible job of making a footprint in the Maritimes and standing by their... Mottos, their mission statements, and their game plan. Lacrosse is for everyone, even those out in Halifax. And they love it there. And I think the NLL is here to stay on the Maritime. So congratulations to John. And the last one was the Tom sorry, it was the Tom Borelli Award. And it was myself, Jumbo and Craig Ribzinski up for the nomination. And when I found out I was nominated, yes, incredibly humbled and honored. Would have loved to have won it, but I couldn't be happier for Craig Ribzinski. Ripper, as he is known, has been in the National Lacrosse League for almost 20 years. He has been calling Nighthawk games for almost 20 years. Home and away, No matter what, he was there. Championships, losing seasons, heartbreaks, momentous occasions, he was there. 
And now with the new regime, he's the executive of Lax Ops, but he's still doing play-by-play. He was for the longest time their PR person in Rochester, pumping out press releases, making sure players were at media appearances and availabilities, doing games, doing interviews. The guy worked nonstop. He bleeds Nighthawk colors. They've changed a bit, but he still bleeds those colors. And for those that don't know, I've known Craig since 1997 when I was a freshman at Mercyhurst, and he was my teacher for sports writing. He helped put the bug in my ear about that this was something I really wanted to do. He called my first ever goal in the National Lacrosse League. He called my greatest ever game in the National Lacrosse League, and he's going to continue to call incredible historic events throughout the NLL for years to come because he's showing no signs of slowing down. It comes just heels off his anniversary with his lovely wife, Amy. They got to celebrate Tuesday night out for dinner. And I couldn't be happier for my good friend, mentor, and colleague. So, shout out to Ripper. He probably should have won one a long time ago, but Paul Tutka was hogging all the glory. Those are your award winners. Um, just comparing to uh, the NLL Awards and the Lax Flash Awards... We didn't do a sportsmanship. We didn't really do a teammate, and we didn't do the Borelli. But of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight awards, we split them four to four. We had Hasek, Dougie Jameson, Paul Day for GM, and Catalano for executive. We didn't get Challen. We didn't get Dave for coach. We didn't get Gibson for rookie of the year, and we didn't have Shane for MVP. But it's a tie, 50-50. Everybody wins clean the slate. It kind of, it puts a sort of an end point on the National Lacrosse League season. But we still have a lot to look forward to. And the National Lacrosse League has put out some key dates. We talked about those last week. As teams have been able to maneuver players around from the practice roster and active roster. So Calgary has released Tyler Richards and Zach Harewares from the active roster. They've placed Landon Kells and Liam LeClaire on the practice roster. Sorry, on the active roster from the practice player list. So those guys are basically safe and under contract. The Mammoth have signed Will Malcolm to the protected practice player list. Rochester have placed Travis Burton on the active roster. They've released Liam Osborne from the active roster. And the Thunderbirds signed Clay Scanlon to a practice player agreement. On Thursday, the National Lacrosse League also announced that there would be some compensatory picks handed out. And those usually come from when teams lose players to free agency. So the Roughnecks received a second round pick in 2020 for losing Riley Lowe into Vancouver. That'll be the 32nd pick overall. The Mammoth will get a second-round pick, the 31st overall, for losing Corey Vitarelli. They'll also get a third-round pick for losing Ian Lord. The Black Wolves will get a second-round pick for losing David Brock and a fourth-round pick for losing Kevin Buchanan. The Wings get a first-round pick for losing Jordan Hall and a third-round pick for losing Dylan Evans. 
The Seals will get a first rounder for losing Dan Dawson, a second rounder for losing Garrett Billings, and a third rounder for losing Paul Dawson. And the Rush will get a second round pick for losing Scott Campbell and a second round pick for losing Brett Mitski. I'm quite surprised that that Mitski pick's only a second rounder. Then again, I don't really want the Rush to have any more first rounders than they already have, so a 35th pick is just fine for me. Next up is franchise delegation. That has to be done by July 31st. And then free agency begins on August 1st. And then we will make our way to the draft. So we've got a month before anything significant can happen, but teams can sign players to contracts right now that are on their own club. But I'm excited for free agency. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I always hope big things happen on free agency. Just adds excitement. And in the year that lacked a strong finish and a quarter of a season, I'm sure we could all use some excitement right now. Breaking news to come out of the NLL before we get you out of here. Uh, Rob Seda-Williams has stepped down from his position as D-coach with the Calgary Roughnecks as he takes a new position with his company uh, where he works at back home in the mainland. He will stay on as a scout for the Roughnecks, but as of right now, the Calgary Roughnecks are in search of a D-coach, so that might put some pressure on Rich Lisk to get a coaching staff in place in order that they don't miss out on somebody, as I'm sure Calgary will try to find the best suitable replacement. Next week, we hope to have the Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Jessica Berman, on the show to talk about a lot of things. We'll have Kyle Hartzell of the PLL Atlas in two weeks to set up PLL Championship Series, and then I'm taking a week off. The week of my birthday, that's the July 23rd week. I'm taking it off. I'm going to Whistler. going to play some golf, kick my feet up, then enjoy some sunshine. But we'll be back come August when free agency begins. More importantly, we'll be back next week, fingers crossed, with Jessica Berman. Check out the lacrosseflash.com, T-shirts, hats galore, Austin Owens' article on who to cheer for in the PLL. And you can check out who we thought won all the NLL awards as well. My name is Teddy Jenner. Follow me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, Instagram OTCB Podcast, or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Until we speak again, enjoy the sunshine, stay safe, and be excellent to each other.